welcome to the Solar Insights Podcast. My name is Eric Starr. I got Mr. Michael Lee here of Yahoo Sports, the Vertical, and we're going to talk some NBA basketball. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. Having a, having a nice day. Wonderful. Um, so we got a lot of topics to talk about. Why don't you give a little bit of where you are right now and what you're um, covering today? Um, in uh, Philadelphia for the uh, 76ers versus the Golden State Warriors. Um, obviously, the Warriors are the best team in basketball because they're the favorite to uh, repeat as champions, and the Sixers are the upstart uh, team with uh, maybe the new age uh, Shaq and Penny uh, with uh, Ben Simmons and, uh, and and Joel Embiid, just two really exciting young players who have given a lot of excitement to the 76ers and their fans uh, after a pretty gruesome uh, stretch of basketball, but um, it looks like the reward has been uh, these two guys, and uh, it's, it should be a fun game um, because, you know, the Warriors have sort of um, revolutionized the game in, in terms of uh, embracing a three-point shot and, uh, and playing on tempo and, and in some ways uh, playing kind of small ball. But when you look at the Sixers, when you have a 6'10 point guard and a 7'2 center, uh, just basically just pounding people, um, it should be an interesting contrast. So I'm looking forward to the game. Definitely. I mean, that Embiid game in L.A. was crazy with this foul line that no one's ever put up before. I think it was 47, 15, 47. 46, uh, 15, 7, and 7, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And with Ben Simmons, and they don't have enough faults yet because of his shoulder stuff. So even once they get him back, it'll be a pretty amazing what they can do. And I think it's really interesting how Embiid has embraced the process and really made it its own thing and really – is able to market the team and really be a face, not a face of the NBA, because that's still Curry, Durant, LeBron, etc. But it's a He's whole other wrinkle to the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, Embiid is just a, a phenomenon, like, uh, you know, because in the age of social media, you know, he's sort of found a way to, you know, enhance his popularity by doing something that people generally don't do, and that's talk smack. Mm-hmm. Um, after or during games, um, you know, you can see all these viral videos of him, you know, yelling somebody can't guard him, and then you know, after he destroys them, you know, he winds up going on social media and like clowning them a little bit more. Like, uh, you know, he had an incident with Hassan Whiteside mm-hmm. and, uh, during the preseason in a game that you know <laughs> didn't matter and they had it wasn't real. Um, they still he still was able to. You know, go after him on social media and, and, and people got behind him. It was a popular thing. And then just when he had the big game against the Lakers, you know, he had a little back and forth with LeVar Ball in the off season and mm-hmm. he decided to, you know, uh, take a shot at him on his location on Instagram. So I, I think that Embiid is just this rare guy. He's sort of, I say he's, he's basically like a new age Akeem Olajuwon mm-hmm. with a three point shot and Shaq's personality. Wow. That's and something else. Put, yeah, you put all that together and you got somebody who has the potential to be, you know, a really transcendent player. Um, when you think about just he's only been playing basketball for roughly six years mm-hmm. and he missed a l- large number of those years to, to injury. So the game is still new to him. He's still learning things. You know, he's still getting his footwork down. He's still um, you know, figuring out, you know, his strength and just what he can get away with down low and um but he's still incredibly skilled already. So mm-hmm. um to to see what he could become, you know, it's pretty frightening. And when you look at uh all the young big men 
in the league right now, um, from Anthony Davis to Carl Anthony Towns to Chris Asperzingis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, you go down the list, Miles Turner. Um, there's so many young bigs who um, kind of go against what we've seen uh, from centers in the past or big men generally um, in the past with their versatility. And uh, it should be a really exciting time. And it, it seemed like the NBA – got a little bit ahead of itself when it removed the center position from the all-star ballot mm-hmm, yeah. because I can't think of a, a better time to reward the talent that's at that position by actually acknowledging it on the ballot. Yeah, it seemed for a while there that the, I mean, the small forward position was the position to be at. And now it seems like it could be the center position depending on those people. I mean, that indeed Euro step against the Lakers was ridiculous. and so It, it, you, it was. Yeah, yeah. Wait, go ahead. Yeah, do you think um, he, like, where do you rank him in terms of all centers at the moment, uh, assuming health, and where do you think he could end up in, in uh, five years or so? Um, uh, I think that the, the clock is, is ticking on when he becomes the best big man, and it's not that far off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't say he's there yet. Um, Cousins, primarily because, Gasol? Yeah, I would say Cousins and Gasol are right now one and two. Mm-hmm. Um and, and But I think that he's creeping up. The one thing that's holding him back is that he's dealt with injury issues for so long, and he still – I mean, the thing that made his performance as a Lakers so fascinating is that he did it still on a minute's restriction. Yeah. <laughs> like but he's not like playing 30, 40 minutes. 30, 40. Yeah, 30, which is 30. a lot more than what he started with, but mm-hmm. I think it was 34 or something. Yeah, but it, okay. either way, I mean, he's still not playing, you know, the type of minutes that a starter, and he's still not even in great shape, you know, yeah. um, which I, I think that – it could be within two or three years um, when we start looking at Joel Embiid as being the best center in the game because, you know, Gasol's in his 30s. Um, you know, uh, Cousins is still, I think, like 28 or so. 29, yeah, maybe. I think he's just 28. I don't think he's that old yet. Um, not quite. But, but huh? Not, yeah, not quite that old yet. He's close. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, yeah, He, but uh, but I, I think that, you know, it, you know, it, and it also depends on how you want to define center. I think right now, if Anthony Davis wasn't playing with him, uh, he would be a center, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but then you also can look at Carl Anthony Towns and, you know, will Porzingis eventually have to move over to five one day, given his height. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be an interesting debate uh, moving forward, I think, in terms of how we – do we even define players by position? <laughs> when mm-hmm. you think about, like, you look at a Ben Simmons who, you know, says he's a point guard and, and you know, and, and you know, uh, definitely has the vision and the the uh the instinct of a point guard on the floor uh but he's 6'10 and you know you don't typically see that see that coming from a guy that large you know magic was 6'9 obviously but um mm-hmm, yeah. but a guy even taller now running the show uh, and Giannis, like what is Giannis? is he a point forward center like what is he <laughs> exactly like you don't know what Giannis is he's just i mean they call him a greek freak and that's mm-hmm. that's really what he is he's somebody that sort of defies definition and um and I remember talking to Jason Kidd about him, and, you know, he was the first guy to really just put the ball in Giannis's hands and just say, you know, figure out, just figure it out. And um, and he didn't want to define him. He didn't want to put a label on what he is because he felt that if he put a label on him, he would limit what his potential is. And I think you're seeing now that, you know, he really is – he really doesn't see any ceilings for his career. And when we talk about Giannis, you see a guy – who is just looking at, um, you know, 
he feels like he can be just about anything out there on the floor, and he's doing everything out there on the floor. Um, you know, his, he still needs to work on his outside shot, but he's so effective without one um, because he still has that speed, that athleticism, those <coughs> long strides, those ridiculously long strides. Mm-hmm. I mean, a guy who can just basically gallop the length of the court in maybe three or four steps. Yeah, um, I think he can that's, dribble, that's one dribble from half court. Yeah, and dunk, and <laughs> you know you don't see that very often. Um, but I, I just think that it's going to be hard to label a lot of guys because they are so skilled now. And like I remember, um, you know, Anthony Davis was a guy who mm-hmm. just had a big growth spurt in high school, but he had been a guard, you know, his um, whole basketball career, and then he shot up, you know, six seven inches, and then he's all of a sudden a center. And so he's, but he still had those skills from being a guard. And, uh, Miles Turner, you know, he's a guy that can block shots and shoot threes. And I remember talking to him once and, you know, he was just saying how, you know, from the time he was little, you know, his dad and everybody taught him just how to play basketball. They didn't mm-hmm. really try to limit him to say, oh, well, you're tall, you're going to be this, you know. And I, I think you've seen it just from, you look at a guy like Kevin Garnett, and just what he was able to do yeah. and this generation that's coming up basically saw players like him, you know, saw players like Dirk, saw players that sort of um redefined their position in ways that um that we didn't always see. So but there's almost like um, you know, there there's there's trees now, there's <laughs> other moons um, you know, revolving around different planets, um, based on how the game has evolved. And right now, it's hard to say where this is going um, because it's such a unique era um, for 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 the NBA because so much of the best young talent right now is all over six ten. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty amazing in, in and of itself. Let's uh, move to the uh, top of the Eastern Conference there, which we got the uh, I believe you, you, if I remember correctly, there's so many people, but you covered the Wizards for Washington Post for a while, correct? I covered the Wizards, uh, the Washington Post, yeah, yeah for. Okay. Um, uh, basically, five full seasons. Five full seasons. I, did, I did the NBA for the other uh, time that I was there. I was there okay. at the one Washington for 11 years. So I guess just kind of I want to hear your thoughts on, one, the Wizards as they are con- currently constructed and, like, are the Celtics for real, that top of the Eastern Conference, and how it might shake out? Um. Well, do you want me to start with the Wizards? Or the start, with the, start with the Wizards. Start with the Wizards. Yeah. Okay. Um. The Wizards are a really intriguing team because they are the one team that is coming back with continuity. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they've had the same starting five, you know, in tow for, you know, for a while and it's been one of the best. Um, so you look at John Wall and Bradley Bill, those guys have, you know, been in the playoffs three or f- uh, five years together. And, uh, let me say four, four, like, yeah, three or five years together, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're continuing, continuing to ascend. And then you just give Otto Porter, you know, his big money. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people sort of frowned on Otto Porter's contract and were like, well, you're not really, you know, sorry, why is he getting the max? Um, but if you, whenever you have a system when you have three stars and you have three good players, you're going to need somebody who's going to not have a problem, um, being that third wheel, mm-hmm. um, because I think you, you you can encounter it's it's difficult to accept that it's difficult to not be the guy who gets the shots or gets all the attention, um, but you need a guy who can 
you know, accept that role and be comfortable with it. And I think Otto has done that. And it's not even just in terms of allowing Brad and uh, John to shine whenever they get off, but also to allow Marquise Morris to have to get his numbers on the nights that he's rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that with their continuity, they have an advantage over, you know, some of the other teams because Cleveland is clearly um, trying to work out some things with new faces. Um, you know, losing Kyrie was huge for them, uh, not just because of the talent situation and losing, you know, an elite, um, you know, point guard, shooting guard, whatever you want to refer to him as, but an elite scorer, you know, someone who could – um, just be a dynamic uh, force, you know, um, when you have those lulls either during the season or especially during a playoff series, a guy who can really lift you up uh, with just an incredible offensive performance that can just allow other guys to just sit back and watch. Losing that was a big deal for them, um, and replacing that, they've had to incorporate a lot of new pieces. So they're working out a lot of things. This is why they're, they are off to such a slow start because mm-hmm. it wasn't even just that they're, they've been so awful defensively, but – they also don't know how to talk to each other right now. You know, defense, a lot of it has to do with communication. And we have so many new pieces and you're trying to figure a lot of things out. It, it's hard to just pick that up right away. So the Wizards have that advantage. The Celtics, you know, started with, um, you know, uh, 11 new guys you know, for, for this <laughs> season. And they're trying to figure things out, but they're doing it in a way where they're winning in the process, which is rare. You don't often win your way uh, through an adjustment period. Um, but I, I think that when it comes to Washington, a lot of what they need to overcome to really be a true contender in the East is that they, they've proven they have the talent. Um, but what they don't necessarily have yet and what they're going to have to develop is the mentality. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think sometimes they say a lot of, they make a lot of comments to get attention, you know, about being the best and about um, that the Cavaliers were scared of them last year. And, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's all fun stuff. But I think that in some ways a lot of those comments sort of are there to, um, you know, convince themselves of something they may not necessarily believe. You know, you, mm, say, it, yeah. you say it enough times and maybe you believe it. Um, but I think they have to just go out there and play and not – get too caught up in trying to always prove a point. I think they're a team that, you know, they they, they get they're on national T V and they're like, okay, well we gotta show the world that we're for real or they play, you know, the Warriors or the Cavs and like, okay, we gotta show everybody that if we beat them, they're gonna pay attention to us. And really all you gotta do is just take care of the games that you're supposed to take care of. And when people look at the standings and look at your record, they'll recognize you. And I think um true contenders don't care who the opponent is. They just know that they need to get wins um and then the, all the other stuff the accolades and the respect that you expect or feel you deserve that stuff comes with it and i think that's the one area that the the wizards are going to have to overcome if they're going to actually make that ascension that a lot of people see coming for them um and i know i can backtrack now to the to the celtics yeah. <laughs> um which is a team that has definitely been one of the more surprising uh, squads because of all the pieces that they have, um, you know, adding a Kyrie Irving and uh, a Jason Tatum, a rookie who is fearless um, and who's also very comfortable in who he is mm-hmm. already, which is yeah. that's not something that's easy when you come into the league, you know, to be thrown into this situation after losing Gordon Hayward. Um, it's really, 
amazing that they've won. They've won 14 in a row, um, and they've been on such a high streak. Um, you know, with after after losing their first two games and overcoming, you know, just the initial shock of losing a guy who was going to be a huge part of what they did this year. But the one thing that's been consistent with the Celtics over the last four or five years is that they got Brad Stevens on the bench. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people <clears throat> like to talk about, you know, what um, they like to talk about, you know, what Brad Stevens has done um, and, you know, just his style. But you really got to take a step back and appreciate how the Celtics became a respectable team before anybody thought they would. Mm-hmm. I think this was the year that Danny Ainge felt that he could really go all in and, and build the team that he wanted to build. Um, but it's, and it's going to take time, but I don't think he anticipated that he would build an Eastern Conference, you know, uh, best record team, yeah. you know, with Isaiah Thomas. You know, when they traded for him, they didn't see a two-time All-Star coming. But playing for Brad Stevens, that's what happened. He instilled that confidence in him, gave him the freedom to really just play the way he's always wanted to play, and he blossomed and he flourished, and he became a guy that averaged close to 30 points a game. Yeah. And uh, no one saw that coming out of Isaiah, but it yeah. happened. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, because he came from Phoenix, and people, I mean, someone yeah. told me last week, like, oh, they should have kept Isaiah and trade blood, so kept Thomas and Dragic or whatever. And I'm like, he wasn't <laughs> that good. I mean, he was good here. But he wasn't that good. Yeah. The reason I say he was so good in Boston and the reason he got those All-Stars was because Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and Marcus Smart were around him to make him exactly. able to do whatever he wanted on offense and completely cover him for him defense. Like, I don't know what Isaiah Thomas and Cleveland is going to be with just Jay Crowder, LeBron, and maybe Iman Shumpert if he can still play defense. Like, what is that yeah. going to even be? <laughs> yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. Um, and what's it going to be like um, – if he doesn't have the freedom that that Stevens gave him, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, uh, with his, he's not going to have the ball in his hands as frequently. The usage rate is not going to match what it was um, playing alongside LeBron. Um, so it's going to be an adjustment for him. I mean, I, I think that you know Cleveland, when they were struggling, they were kind of speaking publicly about him, like always oh, coming back, and almost like he was the cavalry who was going to rescue them. And I think they've sort of moved past that now and, and realized they have to, you know, kind of go with what they have and figure that out uh, for them to, you know, have some success. And you're starting to see that sort of come together. Um, but, but I was just, you know, getting back to Brad Stevens, mm-hmm. if you look at his track record, you know, from Butler, you know, mm-hmm. he took a team that had Gordon Hayward as his best player to back-to-back final uh, championship games. And nothing against – Gordon, but I don't think anybody saw that happening. I don't think anybody expected that to be the case. Um, and and Sheldon Max, I mean, he was like the, one of their best scorers, and you know. So I, I think when you you look at what they were able to accomplish, I mean, I guess Gordon was only there that one year when they went to the Final Four, but but uh, but still, you know. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't considered. Yeah, it wasn't like he came in like like you know he wasn't a height player like Ben Ben Simmons or anything. Like Mm -hmm. he was somebody that you know hit that tournament. Really, uh, he's like, well, I need to leave now so I can go pro (laughs) while everybody while I'm hot, you know. Um, And and it worked out for him. Um, But but that being said, if you look at Brad Stevens' track record, he enjoys um, he thrives in the underdog role. He thrives when people don't expect much of his teams. 
um, you know, the Butler Bulldogs were not expected to do much, but he won with that team. Um, he, the Celtics the last couple of years were not expected to do much, but he turned them into a playoff contender um, long, well before, you know, anyone anticipated it. And he's made it an attractive destination. He made it a place where a Kyrie Irving would want to come. He made it a place where Al Horford would want to come play. And uh, and honestly, you know, you hate that Hayward went down. You don't want anybody to be hurt. But in some ways, it sort of maybe put Brad Stevens back into, like, his comfort zone where there wasn't much expected of his squad, but he could still demand more of these guys and hold them to still high standards and not use that as a crutch or use that as an excuse. And um, that's never been his way. And I, I think that, you know, it would have been interesting to see how the season would have gone where he had, you know, so many guys who, you know, all-star guys, so many guys with uh, so much talent where the expectation is they're going to do great and to see how, how that all comes together. But I think that maybe not having Gordon around this year, um, can help a Kyrie, you know, really get comfortable in in his role, and really help an Al Horford start to gain the appreciation for his game that I think has been lacking throughout his time in Atlanta. So, um, I, I love what the Celtics are doing. I love the fact that Jalen Brown is really coming into his own. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, I, I'll admit, I, I slept on him a little bit when he went third. I, I kept hearing great things about his potential and what he could become, and I was watched him last year. And I saw flashes, but I was like, ah, I'm not seeing the hype just yet. Mm-hmm. And this year, I'm seeing it like every game. You know, <laughs> every time I see him step on the floor, I come away saying, okay, I get it. I see it now. Um, and, you know, the game against the Warriors the other night where, you know, his best friend died mm-hmm. and uh, he came out and played, you know, that game. Now, he didn't shoot the ball well, uh, but his energy was the difference in that game to me because he just brought it. Like, he just was hustling. He was blocking shots. He was trying to, you know, not giving up layups. He was still in the ball, getting dunks, and all those things that, that start to add up over, over the course of a game and start to really turn things around. And I feel like, you know, he wasn't there hitting the free throws or whatever down the stretch because Kyrie had taken over, but they wouldn't have even been in that position if, uh, if Jalen Brown hadn't, basically just pour his heart out there on the court. So I like what they're doing. Um, I like their bench. I like the the fact that their bench comes in, they bring that, that defense, that defense, that tough edge. But again, I just think that the one thing that's special about the Celtics is that no matter who's in uniform, no matter which players he has, eventually that squad takes on Brad Stevens' personality. Mm-hmm. Eventually that squad is going to say, we're coming at you. We're we're competitive and we're gonna fight. Mm-hmm. And um and I think that says a lot about um the quality of coaching that, that they're getting in, in Boston and how like before he even made a deal for a max player, assigned a max player, um, Danny Ainge already had a max coach. Mhm. I mean they hit me they're not even talking about the out of timeout uh plays and stuff. You're talking just Oh my general, god! Exactly, yeah. it's everything. Like it's everything about him. It's everything. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a a brilliant coach, and um, and it, it's I don't think everybody sort of recognized that, but I think more and more, um, if they are able to, you know, finish with the best record in the East or be in the top two or three, um, you know, you, you got a figure a coach of year uh, award is headed his way soon. 
It's po- it's possible. I mean, he's top five for sure. I don't. I mean, for me, when I've ever been writing about writing about coach of the year stuff and talking about it on the podcast, it seems like it's very narrative driven. It's going to be hard because they have Kyrie. Even with the Hayward injury, I think it might be still hard for him to get coach of the year. But it's still definitely he's definitely in the mix every year. If 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 they wind up with like one or two seed without Hayward, um, I, I have a hard time. Yeah, I have. A, I mean, because. In the West, I mean, you know, the Warriors are doing their thing as usual. Um, but there's no like surprise team necessarily that's, mm-hmm. that could really compete with what the Celtics are doing right now. I don't think anybody yeah. saw them the win nuggets, 14 in a row. Nuggets maybe. I yeah. Think. Yeah. yeah. But, but they're uh, all Celtics, the Celtics should finish with a better record. Oh, for think. sure. Yeah. It's just so. it's about to jump rather than how high you go. Um, yeah. You were talking about Jalen Brown and it was interesting. I wanted a good segue to, uh, um, something else. I was watching the Suns Lakers last night and the difference between Ball and Jackson's effort and what they bring and stuff. Uh, I don't want to get on Ball too much just because people talk about him a little bit too much. But uh, <laughs> um, I mean, like I was watching it, I was just want to comment. I want to get your thoughts on these comments. I was watching it. He was only able to score by taking Tyler Ulis, who he's about seven inches taller than, and driving at him towards the hoop. Like I don't even remember the whole game him taking a single jump shot. And like Jackson, like can't shoot as well as well as like a even Kuzma, but he made some jumpers and he he goes to lane. He gets he, he got a good back down that he pushed and went uh, left off left shoulder and right off the rim. And you can already play defense, so it's just kind of interesting about the these mentality these players bring to the game as rookies. Um, yeah, you know I, I think that you know. Everyone is, uh, you look at just the Lakers and just their squad right now and, and the fact that Kuzma is having such an incredible start. And when everybody talks about the Lakers rookies, they're like, well, clearly Kuzma is the better rookie. And yeah, his numbers are there and the production is there. But I kind of look at them under a different prism because I feel like with Kuzma, he is sort of dealing with, uh, no pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. no one expected him to come in to be much. And so he's got a lot to prove and he comes out and he competes and he plays hard and, um, and, and he's being rewarded for that. Um, as for Lonzo, I, I really, I, I feel, I, I don't want to say I feel bad because I don't mm-hmm. necessarily feel bad, but I, I do sort of empathize with what he's going through because I feel like so much hype was generated that he didn't generate on his own mm-hmm. and he's, he sort of has to deal with so much hate that's directed his way primarily because of the hype that his father, you know, sort of um, created, you know, over, over the course of last year. And, he, you know, he's been writing checks. His dad's been writing, uh, he's been cashing checks. His dad's been writing for the last, you know, pretty much his whole basketball career. Yeah. Um, but it's a little tougher on this level because, you know, in the NBA, these guys have a lot of pride and they don't want to get showed up by, um, Lonzo, because they know that in the end, Lavar is going to be the one that starts clowning them, you know. Yeah, and they're more uh, men than and boys, but he's a he's still a, a exactly, kid. And, he, and, and, they, he, and he is a kid. Mm-hmm. And they they've attacked Patrick, Patrick Beverly showed that in the very first game. Yep. When he's like shoving them to the ground and like just basically like a pit bull, just you know <laughs> unleashed on them. And I think that that was like a very rude awakening for him. But um, I'm interested to see how he responds over the course of this season and over the course of his career because I feel like. Um, he he's being held to an unfair standard that he shouldn't be, and mm-hmm. I think that it's very difficult for a rookie point guard. You know, whether you're number two pick or the 40th pick, you know, it's hard to come in 
trying to run a team. It's even harder um, when you have so much hype generated by your every movement and so much scrutiny over everything that you do or don't do on the floor. And I'm sure his head is spinning. I'm sure his head is, you know, all all over the place. And then he got a haircut. And, (laughs) you know, I think sometimes that's part of it. I think that's part of what was stressing him out, too, is just there's just so much going on. Let me just cut my hair, try something new, try something different. Because I know he's (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying he's he's a mentally tough kid. At least that's what he has proven to be in the past. But I think he's being tested in ways that – that, that go beyond anything else he's ever experienced. And so it's got to be a tough adjustment. It's hard for anybody to come into the NBA. You think about young point guards, you think especially a one-and-done point guard, um, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to run a team and to be a leader. Think about Kyrie Irving. He came in, was a you know, rookie of the year, but what was the main gripe that people gave about him, that he wasn't a leader, that he mm-hmm. didn't know how to lead? Um, when you come out of college after one year and you're stepping in, how, you, how are grown men really going to respond to you and listen to you? And he had like 10 um, games. Like a dude, he got injured. I think. Yeah, he had yeah. Like 10 games. Yeah, so I mean, but I, and, you know, and I, I covered John Wall his rookie year, and he, he struggled a lot, you know. Um, I remember talking to him once about um, leadership and just how he described himself as a leader. And I remember he would, like early on, he would always give me these, these, these kind of quotes that he thought sounded good. And, you know, but as the season went on toward the end, he told me something that was really interesting. And I always use this whenever I think about a young point guard and just how um, they uh, they think and how they try to develop. He said, you know, I'm trying to be a leader, but half the time I don't even know where I'm going. Oh, man. And, and, but, and it was like, it was the truth, though, because... No one comes in with it all figured out. You know, maybe Magic did, and that's my guy. That's my, that's my favorite basketball player ever. So, but, but, but most guys don't come in with a, with a clue of what it means to run a team, to, to have men follow you and to give them orders, to give them direction. And, um, and it's just sort of a different environment. Um, and you have to adjust to that. You have to find your comfort in that. And I think that, you know, Lonzo, if he was under any other lens, if he was, not playing in L.A., you know, on the most glamorous team. If he didn't have a, a loudmouth father, you know, who's making bold proclamations, ridiculous proclamations that people somehow take seriously all the time, um, then I think that people would just say, you know what, he's just a rookie and he has a ways to go to figure out how to who he, figure out who he is in the NBA and how he's going to get off his shot, how he's going to be effective because those are challenges that everybody encounters. But I think that you couple that with the hype, you couple that with, um, you know, the uh, uh, just the pressures of being the face of a of a of a brand, a clothing and shoe brand that is all just you know some that's burgeoning, you know, um, that that's gonna basically succeed or fail. However he do it, his family depends on him being you know a star. Uh, so it's it's tough, and I, I can't imagine being a guy who just turned twenty. With all those responsabilities, um, and like I said, I'm interested to see how it comes together. But um, but yeah, I know sure. you don't want to spend too much time on him. but no, yeah. I just want to get that off my That's, chest. Oh, totally. And even it's not even just um, even Lavar and everything. It's I mean, Maddie Johnson. I know you love him, but he Maddie, yeah, him Maddie too. does some stuff. It's yeah, like, Lonzo has such a wide variety between what he could be and what he couldn't be. Like it's Kendall Marshall to Magic Johnson. Like, like it's so big. <laughs> it's it is. No, it is, and I I think that. 
but people came in expecting him to be magic and I'm like, um, I didn't I saw a good player at UCLA. I didn't see this trans you know, transformative player is just gonna, you know, elevate the game and yeah. you know but he, he, he has a good feel for the game. Mm-hmm. Um I think his there's so much scrutiny about his shot and just his form. Um, that stuff gets in your head too. But you need and, to be able uh, to shoot more than he does. I mean, you can't not shoot like that. Oh, of course, <laughs> absolutely. But I mean, you know, um, I I remember a, a guy named Ace and Kid who mm-hmm. had no J. Yep. yep. And uh, and that took time, you know. And I'm not I'm not comparing him to like Jason because I, um, but I also think that, you know, if he puts in the work and he's dedicated to it. Um, then it'll come for him, and you know that that stuff happens, you know. Um, or he'll or he'll find some way to be effective if in, if if not, because he's done it his whole life. So um, there there are, there are ways for him to figure it out, but I think it'd be cooler if he could do it without everyone overreacting to every bad performance. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I had you know, the remaining ten ten minutes we got here. I wanted to cover two specific things about the Suns, um, just to see sure. get your take on it. I've been asking people mm-hmm. this for a couple of weeks, and I just want to cu- curious. The Suns have had this perception about them in the last several years, and other people have talked about the Raptors. One guy did an anecdote about the Raptors having the same thing, where the front office seems inept, even though it may not be. I mean, McDonald's made some great um, trades and things, but there's like this, this perception around the sun, about the Suns around the league. And I'm curious um, what you think about that and how they can fix it. They have to really settle in on one direction. Mm-hmm. They have to stay committed to a plan. And I feel like over the last few years, um, they've deviated from what they want to be. You know, you saw it from um, when they had Goran Dragic and when they had that 48-win season. I think that that season probably was the worst thing that happened to the It ruined so much. Oh, my gosh. Because they were were right there on the cusp of being a playoff team. And I think that people may have had a false impression of how good they really were. Yeah, um, (laughs) totally. And I think think that everything that's been done since has been trying to, you know, recreate that, that feeling or that magic that came from that one year. And in the process, it's forced them to sort of scrap their plans and then start over. But you can't just keep doing that. You know, you can't just keep getting new coaches. You can't just keep, um, you know, uh, trading off point guards and trying to swap, get new point guards every year. Um, and and I, I look at it, like I look at, say, a situation like Brandon Knight. You know, they, they gave up a lot to get him, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and looking back, you know, you, you don't make that move again. But – um, he was almost an all star, but yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. But I'm saying that what what they gave up to get him, it doesn't really match how quickly they gave up on him. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> like usually, he, a team he gives up crazy. Oh my goodness, his decision. I'm sure. For it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, <laughs> um, but there's a lot of things that there's a lot of evidence about who and what he was mm-hmm. before they made that trade, and um, uh, but I, I think that you know. Well, I guess what, what I'm just really trying to say is, um, what do they want to be? You know, um, when they when they went after Lamarcus Aldridge and they went after Tyson Chandler to sign him and to, you know maybe have you know a team with Lamarcus and Tyson, I guess that sounded good. But when Lamarcus goes to San Antonio, you don't have to necessarily stick with Tyson. You can try to move him, you mm-hmm. know, and, and try to 
if you're if you're going to be a young team that just strips it all down, then strip it all down, strip it all the way down. Um, you don't have so, to go halfway. Go ahead. What do you think about the veteran leadership then? Do you think they just need Dudley, or do you think they like because they kind of did strip it down there, and then the like Starwood as ownership, they they really pushed it to the timeline as people have been saying. And I'm just curious. So, what do you think about veteran leadership then? Oh, you need it. Yeah, you need it for sure. Um, but how much? How much you need to pay for veteran leadership? <laughs> <There you laughs> That's go. another thing. It doesn't and, and if, if, Yeah. If if there's if there's a demand, you know, for a player, I think you need to go ahead and, and you know, um, and use that. But I, I I personally think you need veterans around on any team because you got to help the guys figure out what it takes to survive in this league. And I, I can, you know, you talk to any great NBA player, any great player, and ask them, like, who are your vets? They'll rattle off about seven, eight people mm-hmm. who help influence them and, and help them understand the game. And um, and that, that that's what's usually necessary to, to take it to that next level, to ascend and to reach new heights because you understand the work you have to put in, the discipline you have to show, um, the food you can't eat, um, showing up for practice earlier, you know, getting – your shots up, coming in for late night workouts, you know, those types of things that you don't know if you're not around or, or you don't see it. Um, but I think that if you're a young guy and you're around veterans who work hard and, and, and give it their all, you're going to understand like, okay, if I want to have a 10 year, 15 year career, then I have to commit myself to this. Like I can't, I can't run off to eat at the fast food restaurants the way I did in college because mm-hmm. my body is now something I have to really take care of. And there's just so many things that, that are the benefits of being around vets. Um, so I definitely feel like those are necessary. But I but I, I, I was just saying more in big picture for the Suns, um, they really just need to find a plan that they really want to stick to and don't get caught up in saying, okay, now we got to, accelerate things and, and become a playoff team all of a sudden. Um, I think now you kind of have a very young core. Um, you have a very young team. And um, you sort of need some sort of alpha to emerge. And it seems like Devin Booker is starting to be that guy. Um, but I, I just think that you just kind of need somebody whose energy level is going to be able to inspire the guys around him. And um, and it may not necessarily have to come from Devin. It could be coming from somewhere else. Maybe Josh Jackson is just mm-hmm. yeah. that fire, you know, that brings that fire. You he's know, a Draymond Green. He's a Draymond Green. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Bring maybe the, he's the guy that. Yeah. So um so I, I but I, I just I just feel like you 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 can only hit the reset button so many times um mm-hmm. before before eventually it's like well, what what are we doing? What, yeah. We're wasting everybody's time. That that forty eight. Sorry, that 48-win year made it you know, bad for a lot of reasons. But, I mean, they had no assets before McDonough came in. They, I mean, they were signing Hakeem Warwick, Hedu Turkulu after he was done, Josh Childress, who yeah. were not bad players, I guess, in general terms, but not who you should have been signing at the time after Nash and Grant Hill are gone. Um, so then McDonough has all these assets now. I mean, I, some, I think I did the calculations the other day. I think I'm older than everybody on the team except for Dudley and Chandler, which is ridiculous because I'm still 27. Like, it's ridiculous. Maybe, crazy. Maybe Greg, maybe Greg Monroe. Maybe Greg Monroe. But I think he might be 25 if I remember right. And, of course, who, Monroe? 
Yeah, I think no, he's twenty eight. He's twenty eight. Okay, 27. so oh, there's three. There's three NBA players. Oh my goodness, uh, that are older than yeah. me. Um, and he won't, uh, he's he's not going to be long for there. I, I don't think, right? I don't think so. I, I hope that I hope that one thing that someone has suggested that I don't know if it's possible is uh, trade him to the Wizards for a first rounder or something. Um, that's I mean I don't know. They keep doing that every year. The Suns and the Wizards trade somebody. It was Gortat and Morris. That's and true. Then, yeah, <laughs> the Wizards have built their entire um, <laughs> front, court. Uh, front line off of, uh, off of the Suns. For Suns players. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think they have a good core. I mean, they got Chris. Uh, I'm a Bender. Bender is so good, and no one ever knows it. I mean, he made three threes last night on his birthday. He just turned 20 years old. He's seven foot one. He can move with everybody. He's good. But uh, we'll, um, we'll leave I'm it. I'm waiting to see it. I'm waiting yeah. to see it. I need to give him two more years in the weight room, and then he'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, he needs to be a five, and he is weighs like nothing. Um, but he's got the instincts, and he's got the shot and stuff. So it'll be good. Him, Jackson, uh, I'm not as on Ulysses right now. But what I want to end the podcast with here is Booker. Um, what did you think in the 70-point game? Him, his defense has been much better this year. Um, and what do you think about him in general? Um. You know, I remember being at uh, Team USA uh, for the Olympics um, in Vegas a few years ago, and then uh, they, they had their they had the the uh, the select team that was competing against the U.S. team, and I remember saying to everybody, I was asking this every all the writers there, I was like, who if you could put stock in one of these guys out here, you know, to be like the face of like Team USA in like five six years, who would it be? And, you know, we were looking around at all the guys and mostly everybody there was saying Devin Booker <laughs> um, because he just he has this is the three point era. This is the time when shooting is valued more than any other era in, in basketball, especially long distance shooting, you know, um, and he has that gift, you know, um, and I, I think that I, I, the 70 point game. <laughs> Um, it was a little deceptive. Um, I, I think that, you know, there were some, it, it wasn't the, the, the cleanest 70 point game. Yeah, it was not those last five minutes. I mean, he got to yeah, the, 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 the last, yeah, the chase, the chase for it got to be a little ugly, uh, especially just getting the fouls and everything. But the 50 that, that was a legit, like, he, the first 50 were legit, like that. <laughs> and it's hard to get that in any, on any level, especially when you're playing against the top team in the, uh, in the East at that time. Uh, yeah. So I, I have a lot of respect for that performance because, um, you know, it's hard to do that, especially when the Celtics had, you know, <laughs> some of the best perimeter defenders in the game thrown on him, and he was still getting yeah. buckets on him. So I think Bradley was, was out, but I think Smart and Crowder for sure. And But they kept fouling him, and they couldn't, like, stop him, and he was just on fire from all over the place. Yeah, um, yeah. Sure. Yeah, no Bradley, but still. Um, but, yeah, but he, he, I think he's a special talent. The one thing that um, I want to see for him uh, is that I don't – it's going to be tough if he's in a losing environment for a long time mm-hmm. because that leads to bad habits. And, you know, from the games that I've watched of him, you know, there are times where he takes, like, bad team shots. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're on a bad team, you take those shots. If you're on a good team, you don't. Um, and yeah. and I, and I and I think that he can get caught up in that sometimes where, you know, it's like it's like a three-on-four break, and he's he's bringing it up, and two guys are still trailing, and he's like, you know what, I'm open, I'm just going to step and pull into this three. 
And, you know, when you're not held accountable to winning, you know, no one cares. You can take those shots and then just run back on D whether you make it or not. Um, but when you play in games that matter, um, those shots are not most, they're not what you would advise to take. And, um, and, and I would like for him to at least, if he's not going to be winning games, at least being in a culture that, in, that promotes winning basketball. Yeah. Um, because I think there's a lot of potential for him. I think, you know, he's so young, um, and he's so good. And I, I sit back and I, I'm always amazed that there was a team that had Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns that did not win the NCAA title. <laughs> yeah, Devin Booker was the sixth man, the sixth. Which you, made you, no sense. He should have been playing a lot more that year, and he should have yeah. been playing the championship game. And he's a second uh, player, I'm right? Sure they w- yeah, pretty sure they would have they would have won if he had got more minutes than than the Harrison twins. But oh um, gosh, yeah. that's another that's another topic. But no, I'm 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 pretty high on Devin Booker. I, I think that. You know he's he's a really talented player in this, and especially in this era, he should thrive for for many years. But Phoenix has to be careful that they don't squander his developmental years by um, keeping him in an environment where um, winning isn't the number one priority. Yeah, for sure. I think I think uh, if this draft they get one of the top three players, Bigley, um, uh, Donich, or yeah, the other guy, or Porter. And then they go for or, a, or the kid from Europe. I can't remember his name. Donich. Donich. Uh, yeah, Luca Donich. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Luca. Yeah, Luca. Yeah. Yeah. So if yep. they get one of them, and then they maybe sign a free agent point guard or something, then I think they're somewhere. Uh, I mean, give them. I mean, they're all so close, young that if you give them two years, like then they'll then there isn't a culture of losing as much. I mean, and Booker is himself. I think last night he had another thirty point. He has seven. 30-point games already, I think, this year. Yeah. Um, no, then, I'm, I'm saying, like, in terms of – and what what he's what he's able to accomplish, and you know he's a hard worker. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I'm I, – like I said, I, I'm, I've been high on him for, for mm-hmm. a while. Um, Definitely. You know, because I, I, I thought that he I, – I was I was surprised that he uh, was that – was still available when the Suns picked him in yeah. the draft. I kept back in my head like, wait, did no one else watch him in Kentucky? Like, this, is, <laughs> this guy can shoot. He can light it up. Like, yeah. for real. Yeah, and he's got um, all that leadership in the floor game, too. I, my question about to, to you about him is, do you think he is the best player on it, or eventually, eventually, like, legacy-wise, eventually, the best player on a championship team or the second-best player, like, caliber-wise? Um, I, I, he probably would. It, oh, that's tough to say. Um, he is, he's, he's so young, he's so young mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to say, but my gut, my instinct would say the second. Me um, too. Just because when I look at, you know, like true number one guys, like, uh, like alpha guys, um, they have an influence on, on a culture, um, that, mm-hmm. that you can feel even if the team is struggling. And, um, and I, I don't see that from him right now. Um, but again, like I said, he's what? He's still twenty, or he just it's turned twenty-one. He just turned twenty-one at the second week of the season, yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So it, it's tough to say what a guy is going to be, um, because like so when you play one year in college, you come to the league, it can be overwhelming, and you can still try to figure out like who am I and what mm-hmm. what am I going to do. So for some guys, it just takes it takes time, you know. Yeah. Um, some guys, it takes just being in the right environment, you know. Um, you know, would anybody have said in his third year or whatever 
that Dirk was going to be the front guy of a championship team. <laughs> um, I mean, you saw that probably like eight years in his career, people were saying that wasn't going to happen. But look at him at age, you know, 32, you know, knocking out LeBron and D-Wade. So yep. um, you just you just never know how this league kind of shakes out. But you're right. I, mean, I think my gut right now says he, he's like the second best player. But, again, um, I think Phoenix has to do a lot to make sure that they don't squander what they have, though. I totally see that. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on, Michael. Um, this is fantastic. Uh, why don't you plug what you got going on, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, yeah, I'm just hanging out with the Warriors, and uh, hopefully I have a, a decent story running on on uh, just this team that uh, sort of finds itself in the mix of everything. Well, with uh, Draymond and Embiid and all those wonderful characters, I think you'll have a great story. Um, check out all Michael's stuff on the on uh, the vertical and the, of Yahoo, and uh, check out my podcast, the Solar Insights Podcast. My Twitter at Eric underscore Star, and uh, what's your Twitter, Michael? Mister Michael Lee. Mister Michael Lee, definitely check that out. I've been following him for Michael for a long time because it's awesome, and uh, definitely check us back and uh, check out my other website, Elite Hoops Development. I uh, impact basketball train to uh, train people in Arizona. If you know anybody. Uh, people listening to the podcast, let me know. Uh, have a good night, everybody, and thanks again, Michael. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it.